Well, hello there. Welcome to the Deadly Analysis Podcast. My name is Noah Adam, and I'm going to be your captain as we navigate through the world of horror, or as us classy folks like to call it, horror. You know, I'm probably the only one who calls it that, so don't do not do that. That that would end poorly for you. Uh, this is my first podcast, in case you can't tell by that, that horrible introduction. Uh, but that's okay, because I'm going to try and make you believe that I actually know what I'm doing as I create these. So here's what I want to do with this first podcast. First things first, I want to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about what this podcast is going to be. And if I do this right, this horror podcast will be hopefully unlike anything that's currently out there. And I'll explain why that is a little later. So consider this something like a first date, right? I'm trying to impress you. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to regale you with some tales about how I came to enjoy horror films. And then I'm going to convince you on why you should go out on a second date with me, as it were. Why you should actually take some time and listen to this podcast. Of course, I guess if I have to tell you why you should go out on a second date with me, the first one probably sucked, but whatever, it's an analogy, and I'm already overanalyzing. I should call this the overanalysis podcast. Anyway, so a little bit about me. I'm a 30-something working professional. I currently live in Dallas, Texas, and I have a passion for film, especially the horror genre, uh, philosophy, literature, comics, sci-fi, video games, uh, my two dogs, and my wife. That essentially sums up my life right there. And aside from my wife and dogs, pretty much just picture any interest that a young, pimply-faced, introverted nerd holds dear to his heart, and you have me. So this podcast is going to be a combination of at least two of those things, particularly horror and philosophy. Horror films rarely receive the level of analysis that they deserve in my opinion. You know, when I think of going to see a horror movie in the theater, I I think of something like the quintessential date between, let's say, like two high school sweethearts going to the cinema, right? They'll be a bit nervous as the movie starts. They'll both jump a few times, maybe spilling some popcorn. Uh, Maybe she or he, I guess, it's 2017, uh, recoils into the other person's arms as a monster kills one of its victims. And then as soon as you know it, the movie ends, and then they go grab a burger and shake right? I feel like I'm describing a 1950s date for some reason. I don't know. But anyway, the depth of these films is really equivalent to the amount of times that they've jumped, right? Or how many times that they've had to look away from the screen. But I think fear deserves much more of an analysis than that. For example, I notice the films that freak me out the most, the ones that sit with me, the ones that unsettle me, are films where there's a sense of isolation. So let's say a cabin in the woods or a spaceship that you're trapped in. Um, Or if there's a monster that's left kind of ambiguous, right? So it's not thoroughly explained. You don't really have a sense of its origin or its ins and outs. Um, Those things really freak me out in a horror film. And that that tells you a little bit about me, right? I I have uh, what you would call a crippling sense of the unknown, right? And I know that about myself. It's reflected in the sorts of films that scare me and in other areas of my life. And to a certain degree, I think that my fear of the unknown is one of the more common of human fears, right? I know other people share this with me to larger or lesser degrees. H.P. Lovecraft wrote that the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. And so what we do in horror films is we draw on that fear. We weave narratives from that fabric. And to the extent that horror films illuminate aspects of who we are at some level, an analysis of those films is kind of an analysis of ourselves. And this kind of explains a lot. This is why, for example, the horror genre has become, for the most part in my mind, extremely bland and banal, and to be frank, just all around shitty. Like, for every truly good horror film, there's a hundred terrible ones, right? With no depth, no longevity, 
no sustaining sense of uneasiness or dread. I mean, a lot of them are just orgiastic bloodbaths. Now hear me out, I think this is at least in part reflective of our collective lack of self-examination as a society. I mean, think about it, people rarely ask big questions. They rarely ask questions like, what sort of person am I, let's say? Like, what, what are my most impervious beliefs? What would it take for me to change my views on some issue that's really important to me, religiously, politically? Right? These are what I think are fairly fairly basic introspective questions that if you posed to common people out on the street, they'd probably not even begin to know how to give an answer. This would just be like another segment on the Jimmy Kimmel Show highlighting just how shallow and superficial we are, right? I mean, we're not a very thoughtful society. We tend to not think deeply about ourselves, and since fears are a deep part of who we are, it makes sense that a genre of film that aims to highlight those fears tends to be fairly shallow. I mean, there are entire dialogues and scenes that are set up in some horror movies just to get the audience to jump for a second. Like, entire narratives are actually written in a script with the intent being a pop-out sequence, as though fear should be relegated to a mere jolting of the body. I mean, that's the superficiality I'm describing. Those, those sort of split-second encounters aren't particularly informative, and they don't last, right? In 20 years from now, nobody's going to be saying, man, you know, the movie that really stuck with me for years just makes me uneasy every time I think about it is Paranormal Activity 4, right? Like, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to be saying that. But take a film like Event Horizon, which is 20 years old, I think, as of this year, and you have a very different story. I can't tell you how many people I know who to this day just haven't forgotten the fear that that film aroused in them. It's a truly terrifying film and one of the films we'll be talking about. So that actually takes me into my next point. I want to do something in this podcast that may be somewhat blasphemous to horror aficionados. I'm not going to review many of the horror classics, the Freddies, the Jasons, the Michael Myers. In fact, I don't really intend on touching those at all. I'm actually going to start with some very recent films, mostly American and European, and sort of work my way backwards in time. And there's a couple reasons for this. The first is that despite my criticisms of the horror genre as of late, there actually are some really good recent horror films scattered throughout the sea of utter shit that's out there. I mean, there's some diamonds in the rough, and I think that they deserve attention. But secondly, and most importantly, I kind of want to shatter our tendency in cinema to romanticize the classics. I want to dethrone this... Uh, really just this perversely embedded idea that because a film is older or that it's more well-known, that it deserves some sacred status, that it's better than something we create today. So you can go to Rotten Tomatoes, for example, and look at the top 100 horror films of all time, and the vast majority of them are like 40-plus-year-old movies. And there's no doubt that many of those films are indeed fantastic, but I'm convinced that a lot of them are there simply because they're iconic or they've enjoyed a snowball of good fortune in the decade in which they were released. See, we have this tendency to conflate quality with nostalgia, and I don't want to fall victim to that. Actually, reminds me, there was uh, a time where I was with a group of friends and someone asked, like, to give an example of an overrated band or singer. And most of my friends brought up, like, various current artists that they thought were overrated. And I didn't do that. I actually said the Beatles. Um, and I'm just, I'm sorry, I, I really do think they're overrated. They're just not particularly great to me. And when I did that, you'd swear that I, I like, I killed Jesus a second time. Like, my friends just could not believe that. I had committed this profound faux pas because... Well, it's the Beatles, right? As though good is equivalent to iconic. And I'm sorry, I don't believe that. And so what I've done in this podcast is I've tried to select films that are fairly recent, like within the last 20 years, films that I think are worth exploring. Films like It Follows, Creep, uh, The Loved Ones, Let Me In, Pontypool, 
Jeepers Creepers. I'm going to probably have to convince you of that one. There's a lot to that movie that I think people don't really think about. And when I say exploring these films, like what exactly do I mean? I think there are actually two ways to watch a horror film. Two ways. You can enjoy a horror film and you can appreciate a horror film. So let me unpack that. It's kind of like drinking a scotch or a whiskey. There's a couple ways you can drink a whiskey. One way is to appreciate it, which means maybe deriving tasting notes, right? Writing them down in a whiskey journal. You can appreciate the aroma and maybe use a nosing glass to get the most out of the smell. There's kind of this objective component to it. You're essentially studying the whiskey. And then there's enjoying a whiskey, which might mean mixing it with Coke or just drinking it however the hell you like it. And that's exactly what I want to do in this podcast. We're going to appreciate these films by analyzing tropes and themes and atmosphere and cinematography, things like that. But at the same time, not be so analytical that we fail to let the raw, visceral enjoyment of each film go. I'm a fan of being well-rounded. And to me, that means being smart about each film, actually treating it with respect, something worthy of drawing discourse from but then also just kind of sitting back and talking about what I liked about the film, what I enjoyed about it. In fact, there's certain horror films that I absolutely love and enjoy, but there's very little to be analyzed in the way I'm intending. Like Drag Me to Hell is a good example. Fantastic film, one of my favorites, but there's very little to intellectually explore in that film compared to something like Pontypool or It Follows. And that's not a fault necessarily, right? Not all horror films have to draw from this deep well of unconscious fears that speak to who we are as humans. A film doesn't have to do that to be good in my opinion, so I don't wanna paint the picture that only good horror films are the ones that are super deep, right? Think of Evil Dead. Like, hardly super deep, but one of the most fun and enjoyable horror films to ever come out. Okay, so horror films. A little bit about my background, how I got into horror films. Uh, Really simple. When I was seven years old, my dad took me to the movie theater to watch Child's Play 3. Like, he really wanted to see it, and we didn't have a babysitter, so he just took me with him. Just fucking brilliant parenting. So I basically watched Chucky, a killer doll, uh, cut people to bits on the big screen when I was seven years old. And that experience was so unbelievably traumatic for me that I sort of never fully recovered. Like I ran out of the theater screaming and crying and people were, if I remember right, people were yelling at my dad for bringing me into the movie. It was, it was just an awful experience. And after that, like if I ever saw a doll at a stranger's house, I'd have to turn its head away so it wouldn't look at me. I, it's super embarrassing to start my podcast this way, but I have to, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I could never sleep with my feet dangling off of the bed again because I thought that Chucky would come slice my tendons. Like, my that was my childhood. Um, and to this day, knowing full well the illogical nature of that fear, I still just cannot sleep with my feet dangling off the bed. And there's something kind of amazing about that. Like, that experience left me with a fear that lingered for well, decades. And the same sort of thing could be said for many people who watched Jaws back in the 70s, right? People were afraid to go in the water after that. There's something about the terrifying that's kind of magnificent in that way. It simultaneously reveals things about us, but also frames how we approach particular circumstances in the future. Horror is kind of paradoxical when you think about it. Um, Noel Carroll, a philosopher at the City University of New York, has this fantastic book on the philosophy of horror, which I'm going to dedicate a podcast to, where he, he sort of unpacks this. He says that fear and disgust are intrinsically unpleasant emotions, so the paradox of horror rests on what might be termed the paradox of the enjoyment of negative emotions. So in other words, if we see someone getting hacked to death in real life, we're, we're disgusted by it, we're repulsed by it. Yet we'll actually pay our own money, like $15 movie tickets, to sit in front of a 50-foot screen where we get to see it being simulated up close and in high definition. 
right? So on the one hand, these violent delights are worth paying money to see, yet in any other real-world setting, they would be revolting. And so that's kind of paradoxical. We're both drawn to and repulsed by the macabre. And I think that's worth exploring. So to summarize, um, I think horror films deserve a little bit more of an analysis than they typically get. Uh, that's where I come in. That's where this podcast comes in. So we distinguish between uh, kind of appreciating horror, enjoying them. We talked about what sorts of films are coming down the pike. And one thing I failed to mention is that, um, you know, I'm actually lucky enough to know some very smart people, some entertaining folks who will be joining me in these sessions. Uh, they range from activists to professional philosophers to cinema junkies. And so you won't have to sit here and just listen to me the whole time. Although I know it's really tempting to listen to me all day because I'm absolutely fantastic, but you won't have to, right? You won't have to. Um, if you go to deadlyanalysis.com, you'll be able to listen to these podcasts, watch video segments, and if you like what you see, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can check us out on Facebook at the Deadly Analysis Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at Deadly Analysis. So thanks for taking the time to check out this brief introduction. I hope I've enticed you to go out on a second date with me. 